0: Welcome to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends podcast. If you want to hear the show, you can find it on Family Life Radio. If you want to find a station near you, you can go to myflr.org or stream it online.
1: We have Andy and Sandra Stanley with us today, and they have written a parenting book. It's called Parenting, Getting It Right. Andy's a pastor. He's a pastor of North Point Church in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And he also has a TV show called... Your Move with Annie Stanley. Uh, It's on TV, podcast, video as well. Uh, They've been married since 1988. And Annie's Annie's written several books. And so this is his latest. It's good to have with you guys today.
0: Yay. Thanks for having
2: us. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is great.
1: Well, you're very welcome. So we're talking about parenting today. And the book is Parenting, Getting It Right. Do we ever... Need to do that, (laughs) because I don't know that I am. I don't think I am. But, uh, uh, well, since we're talking about parenting today, why don't you talk a little bit about your family?
3: So, Andy and I have been married 34 years. Uh, We've got three kids and three in-law kids. Uh, Andrew is 30. Garrett's 28. Allie is 27. And um, they're all three married now. We've got one two-month-old grandbaby that um, we could just talk about the whole time. (laughs) I get that. Wow!
1: So they're all out of the house. And so that means you're successful at this, right?
3: They're all out of the house. We had about a year of empty nesterhood when our last one left. And then we had our foster, we've been foster parents also since 2010 and we had a full-time foster daughter move in with us. So we were empty nesters for a minute just to get a, a taste of how amazing it was. And then we, we had had our foster daughter with us for about two and a half years, and then we've been empty nesters ever since. Yep. So it's been a, a fun season.
1: Awesome.
4: So what uh, what was it that prompted you to write uh, this book, Parenting: Getting It Right?
3: Well, first of all, writing a parenting book is super scary because it it. Um, insinuates that you think you have all the answers to all the parenting questions and <laughs> that you got it perfect. And We would be so quick to say that we are not perfect parents. We did not and do not have perfect kids. Um, but we identified an it early. We wanted to end up with kids who loved and wanted to be with us and with each other even when they didn't have to be anymore. And um, we just wanted to get to the end of that parenting journey with um, relationships um, intact and, and so once we kind of launched our kids and realized that that was what we had, we thought you know what, there's some principles we've learned along the way yep. let's see if we can maybe export a few of those.
2: And I'm glad you started with this question because one of the things that we say often with when it comes to any topic is our goal is never to try to fill somebody else's cup we're just here to empty ours and this is all we know about that, this is what we've learned and then there's so many other resources that kind of fill in the gaps. Yep. So this is this book is not just our story but it is the thing that drove our parenting from the beginning, as you'll discover, as we're about to discover. Um, and on this end of it, again, with adult kids, um, we, again, we feel like we've learned some things, and we feel like there is a general challenge in the book that is applicable for every parent, uh, regardless of what season of, of parenting they're in.
0: I love this because I am most acquainted with you, Andy, especially as a vision leader. Love your vision love your leadership podcast, um, listened for years. And so how has your focus on vision influenced your and Sandra's role as parents?
2: Well, because that's such a big deal to me personally, and of course, in terms of leadership, um, I realized like any leader realizes that it left to, anything that's left unattended to generally goes in a bad direction, goes in an unhealthy direction, whether it's business, family, relationships, whatever it might be. So early on, I realized I need like a North Star. I need to know what are we parenting to? What are we parenting toward? because, uh, And that's the it. That's why getting it right, choosing an it. And so in the book, we talk about every parent should identify their it. And for the majority of the book, we talk about here's the it we chose and why we think it was a good one. You know, readers can decide for themselves. But if parents don't choose an it, what is the win? That's another way of saying it. What's the win? What's the goal? When you, as a parent, are sitting on a rocking chair and your kids are grown and gone, and maybe you have grandkids, what is it? that if you turn to your spouse and said, we did it, or we accomplished it, or we were successful at it, what is the it? And if parents, like business leaders, don't choose what it is, culture, time, and chaos will choose it for you. And we were in We did student ministry together with high school students for 10 years, and we saw so many different parenting models. And for the most part, we saw parents who never chosen it. They were just responding to the most recent crisis, responding to the most recent crisis, which we understand, because
3: we had a few crises. Yes,
2: yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> one unanswered question, one unexpected <laughs> event after another. But because of the chaos, because of the whirlwind of parenting, if there's not a north star, if there's not an it, if there's not a win, um, it's easy to get get lost in the chaos. So that was super important to mm-hmm. me from a leadership standpoint. So we brought that into our, our our approach to parenting. And on this side of it, we are absolutely thrilled that that's what we chose and mm-hmm. just wanted to share it with other parents
1: so i gotta know is what is your north star was, was there a <laughs> blueprint for all of this that you guys found or
3: an interesting story that kind of sets us up to share um more details about our it was uh, my family <clears throat> uh, we're we're a pretty close family i'm the middle of three kids and <clears throat> every year, my parents rent a big house on Hilton Head Island, and we all go. So, you know, back then it was just you know the five of us plus Andy. And then as we all started getting married and having kids and all of that kind of stuff, um, it began to grow. Now there's like 20 of us every year. But our first year after we had Andrew, our oldest son, we were in the car driving to Hilton Head, and um, we just Andrew's in the car seat. Yeah, Andrew's yeah. in the car seat in the back, <laughs> and we realized, okay, we're you know we got this got this baby now. Maybe we should maybe we should um, established some parenting goals, some family goals, Mm -hmm. and we realized neither one of us are really concrete goal setters, but we thought we do want to have an idea of the direction that we're going in. And so we talked about that and Andy said, you know, I want us to end up with a family like yours. So anytime there were four of the five of us together, we would call and persecute the one who wasn't there because we knew they wanted to be there. (laughs) And we would tell them what we're eating or we would tell them what we're doing. And they're like, stop having fun. Don't have fun while I'm not there. And Andy just thought that was an interesting thing. Well, that
2: was in such, not sharp, but pretty sharp contrast to what I experienced with my family. I have a sister who's three years younger. There were just four of us. But when I it was introduced to the Walker family, Sanders family, there was something so healthy about the relationships, um, very drama-free. I mean, everybody had their own personalities, their own things. It wasn't that there weren't the normal hiccups and bumps. But there was a sense of we enjoy being together and we want to be together. And even though at that point, you know, her brother and sister were adults like she was, there was still this sense of of we enjoy being together. And I told Sandra, I said, that's what I want. Now, the the difficult or the challenging thing was, it was so normal to her, she yeah. thought, well, that's, I
3: assumed it. that's just what
2: <laughs> every family is like. I'm like, no, yeah. that is not what every family is like. And I knew for me, going back to your first question, that if I didn't have some intentionality around this or some words around this, my inclination would be to create a parenting win around performance, around behavior, around compliance. I mean, my natural gear is everybody behave. Everybody follow these principles. Everybody, you know, I'm just wired that way. And I really realized what her family had was better than perhaps what I would naturally parent toward. Mm. So I needed a statement. I needed a goal. I needed something that created the context for the disciplining, the rules, you know, Mm -hmm. schedule, all those kinds of things. So that discussion, we came up with, I think, three family goals. Pretty quickly, we dropped two of them because who's got time for three? And we bumped into this this idea that, that our North Star, our it, would be to raise kids who would want to be with each other and with us when they no longer had to be. That is, when they were grown and gone, that they would still want to be together. And so essentially, we decided to parent with the relationship in mind. And that one decision all those years ago um, informed so many decisions along the way. And that's one of the reasons we wrote the book.
1: Yeah. It was hard to go from, you know, obviously, Andy, you're a uh, let's go, 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 super task oriented to more relational. Well,
2: both of us are very tass- Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We get a lot done. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. I
4: like that. You were talking
2: about. Go ahead. I interrupted. No, that was good. That was good.
4: (laughs) You were uh, talking about the, you know, the the North Star parenting and how that would make a difference once your kids are grown. So, what kind of difference has that made with those, you know, relationships now that they are out of the house?
2: Yeah. Well, they enjoy being together and enjoy being with us. They At least actually they want to be with same. you. So, yeah. yeah. Mission well, accomplished. All, fortunately for us, and we know this isn't the case with every family, our kids all live in the Atlanta area. Um, you know, mm. 30 minutes one way, 45 minutes another way. So there's the proximity. But even beyond that, watching our kids support each other in their careers, watching Mm. them um, support each other in their sorrows. Yesterday, um, um, Andrew's wife's grandmother passed away this past week. And so there was a funeral. It was about an hour away from our house. And so we were going because they asked me to participate. And Garrett, Andrew's brother, said, Danielle and I are going to be there. And we're like, well, you didn't really know or it's an hour away. But just that sense of, yeah.
3: Allie was trying to get there, too, but they had gotten no sleep
0: that night. But the
3: fact that they wanted to do that. And, you know, in this season, now that we're in this empty nester season, these friendship years with our kids, looking, looking back and on the whole continuum of our parenting journey, there is no joy that compares to watching your kids choose each other, Mm. especially when there were years where you thought they would, they didn't even like each other. They might kill each other. other. Watching them on this end of the journey, choose each other. It just brings the greatest joy.
2: And This sounds a little harsh, but hopefully will be um, inspiring for some parents. If you get to this season, the season we're in now, and you don't have that, it's virtually impossible to get that. It is It is almost impossible to go back and try to re-engineer relationships between siblings once they're in their late 20s, have chosen a life partner, or are kind of doing their own thing because they're naturally career-wise moving apart, maybe geographically moving apart. So if the relationship, the desire to be with each other, if it's not already there, I. It's very difficult to get it, so again, this is one of the reasons we wrote the book, especially for parents with kids still in the home to say, hey, we know there's a payoff down the road, and the payoff is is broad, but the specific payoff, the one that you're going to want, you're going to want this whether you have it or not, is for mm-hmm. your kids to enjoy each other and enjoy being with you, which means you're a parent with a relationship in mind. Mm-hmm. and." One of the surprises, I think, um, for people who know what I do, in fact, this came up in an interview recently, they said, Andy, we would assume your win would be to raise godly kids who love Jesus and want to serve the Lord with all their heart. I'm like, yeah, that's a good one too, but that was not the driver behind how we parented our kids. And as a pastor's kid, I'm a preacher's kid, who's a preacher, I think that helped me uh, recontextualize what the real win is in parenting. And there's a whole chapter in the book, all section of the book, about helping t- your children develop a faith of their own. So we are certainly for spiritual formation, but that wasn't the driver. The relationship was the driver because Influence is one thing a parent should never give up with their kids. You should never mm-hmm. give up influence unnecessarily. So the relationship, a strong relationship, creates influence. So there's there's more to this than hey, we just all want to get along. That sounds a little bit thin, a little bit shallow, but there's so much more to it. So than many that. layers. Yep. So many
3: layers. I grew up in a in a home, my dad was a marine, a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps, and so they got a lot done. So we got we got a lot done. <laughs> we but I naturally would have drifted toward what he was talking about. Um, because I didn't grow up in a pastor's home. And I would have, you know, wanted to lay out the outline of how everything was gonna go in the morning and here's how you have a quiet time and here's why you have a quiet time, now go have your quiet time. Here's the and, chapter you know, and here's the verse. Yeah, you know, all of that. Uh-huh. So I'm so thankful that he had grown up that way because obviously our our heart's desire is for our kids to have a relationship, to own their faith and to have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. That's such a priority. And I would would have tried to parent toward that had he not grown up the way that he did and knew you know that 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 wasn't going right. to be the it for us is it related to how we parent so
0: beautiful how god brings two people together because i have a precious memory of my first family dinner at my husband's house and his dad was working late and came in the door and these kids jumped up from the dinner table Ran over and hugged their dad. And my family loved each other too, but not in such an expressive way. And I remember that to this day, so impressed me as a parent about that's the kind of home I want to have. Mm. I want my kids to be so thrilled that I walked in the door that they couldn't resist. Yeah, right.
3: and you don't know until you see it.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, it again, brings tears and to Thally, my eyes, actually. Well,
2: Sally, it's a great example because uh, seeing it, for some of us, Healthy people, they just have to see it to know, okay, that exists. That is worth working towards. And so sometimes just seeing that's really the reason we got into foster care is because we realized there are kids who just need to see an intact home to know, oh, there's something to shoot for. But again, that experience you just shared is similar to what I experienced every time I was with the Walkers. And I'll just tell you, sometimes they were so all about each other and family that it kind of got on my nerves, um, and, I, and, I, and I had to realize, why does this bother me? This is such a good and healthy thing, and I think it's because I found myself wishing I had experienced more of that growing up. So mm. I got over my you know attitude and decided, hey, let's figure out how this works, and let's be intentional about working toward it. That's so good. maybe
0: take us back to, now that your kids are grown, a, a memory of when you know it was time for some discipline and yet you kept this idea your north star in front of you. That um, how did it influence those those in, in the weeds kind of moments with your kids?
3: Parenting with the relationship in mind meant that we were going to try to instill in our kids an understanding of how to honor other people, how to restore broken relationships, and how to prioritize their most important relationships. And that restoring broken relationships usually when there's a discipline problem, you know, you're you're it's an honor problem. They've not honored someone Or they're you know, they're, there's a relationship that needs to be restored. So parenting with the relationship in mind kind of focuses on those things. And there was a story. Um, tell the Cam story. The Julie well, let me story. say one yep, thing before that.
2: So going along with this. So once we decided what the win was, then we decided. And again, this is kind of how I think. So pardon me for being a little bit clunky on this that the rules that we established in our home, if if we're parenting with a relationship in mind, the rules need to all be tied to relationship. Here's one thing that we saw parents miss consistently in student ministry days. The rule became the thing rather than the relationship. But Mm -hmm. in real life, Every time someone breaks a rule, whether it's in society or in a home, someone is hurt. There is always a person on the other end of a broken rule that has been damaged, something's taken from them, or they're they're not as well off as they were. So we wanted to create rules that made it clear to our kids that these rules, the rule isn't the issue. The honoring the person is the issue. So all of our rules were tied to how they impacted other people, which meant when it came to discipline, and I'll let Sandra share this story, when it came to discipline, Discipline was about recognizing who was hurt, not just that a rule was broken, who was hurt, and how do we restore the relationship. That one idea, I'm telling you, it made it that probably did more to shape the atmosphere in our home and the response to broken rules than anything else. But at the end of the day, that's a life skill. We all know adults who don't know how to restore a broken relationship simply because they broke a rule, it never dawned on them that, hey, there's somebody on the other end of this rule that has been disadvantaged because I was dishonorable, unethical at work, um, whatever it might be. So that was that was kind of the framework, and we we go into a lot of detail about how to do that in yeah. the book. So,
3: yeah. So there was a scenario that played out when our boy, when our kids were young, and it was mainly with our boys. Allie was was kind of too young, but we had had a date night or something. There was a babysitter at home, and we got home, and the babysitter, you know, we said, "How did it go? How was the night?" And she goes, "Well, I mean, it was fine." <laughs> she, you know, she wasn't one of those babysitters Uh-oh. that was gonna right out the kids. And so we had to kind of uh. pull the story out of her. And when we got the story, we realized our boys had been really disrespectful to the babysitter. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we apologized, of course, on on their behalf and and sent her on home and she was fine. So the next morning, uh, I woke the boys up and I said, hey, I'm going to need y'all to come on downstairs to the kitchen table. I've got some paper and you're going to write some apology notes to Julie. You're going to each write an apology note and then I'm going to need you to go get your wallets from upstairs and meet me in the car.
0: So oh, there, I mean, up there, get the wallet. <laughs> My gosh,
3: of life where money meant something. We had just mm-hmm. moved, you know, moved from the jar system to the actual wallet. So money meant something now. And so they wrote their apology notes. They went and got their their wallets. I loaded Allie into the car. The boys came and got in the car. And um, I said, we're going to head to Publix, and you're going to use your money to buy Julie some flowers. Mm. And they're like. Okay, and they didn't like that. And um, so we get, so we get there. They buy some flowers. I said, now we're going to Julie's office and you're gonna walk into her office with your note and your flowers, and you're gonna look Julie in the eye, and you are going to apologize. In
2: front of whoever Very else is yep. in that office. As Ooh, they, nice. Oh, nice, yeah. wow. Some people that they might know from church, who knows, right? Yeah,
3: right. Yeah. And so they were horrified. They were like, oh, mom, please, no. Please just, you know, just take all <laughs> of our money. just, you know.
0: <laughs>
2: in other words, the point I wanna pause here, The emotion in them was basically this Mom, we would rather you do all the traditional things that other parents do when kids disobey than this. Yeah. And that's why so many of the traditional responses to disobedience don't work because they're not connected to restoring mm. a relationship. They're just connected to punishment. Mm-hmm. Since mm-hmm. you did this, you lose this privilege. We uh, we pretty much avoided that whole approach uh, to disciplining our kids. So tell her what yeah. happened. then.
3: So we we go marching into to Julie's office and they've got their flowers and they look <laughs> so cute, really. But they've got their <laughs> flowers and their note. And um, they walk up to her desk and they give her everything and they look her in the eye and they said, Julie, you know, that each of them took a turn. I'm so sorry. I was so disrespectful to you last night. Would you, I hope you can forgive me. And one of the things that we worked on with our kids was not just looking at someone, especially each other when they've offended each other and not just saying, sorry, you know, we made them say, I am sorry for fill in the blank. Sorry was an incomplete sentence in
2: our home. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
3: apologized to Julie, and, um, and we left. And, you know, and the relationship was restored. Not that Julie, I mean, she was fine. She, sure. she loves them. She was fine. But in their hearts and in their minds, there had been restitution. There had been a sincere apology. And it was a lesson that they learned that we're not just going to say sorry. We mm-hmm. are going to restore broken relationships.
2: And, and so that was it. There's a couple of things to unpack from that, too. That was the end of it. In other words, when we got home, we didn't say, and you were taking away your PlayStation, and, and, that was it, why? Because the relationship was restored, that's the point. If there needs to be restitution, you make restitution, but otherwise, you own what you did, and then we're not gonna punish you for the next two weeks because of something you did, the relationship is restored. And the other thing that's so important is, as we know as adults, anytime we have to restore a relationship because of something we've done, it requires a big dose of humility taking things away from a child or putting them on a restriction does not force them to humble themselves at all it just half the time it just makes them mad but when they realize we're going to walk into an adult environment with flowers (laughs) and a card it was so humbling but humility is a part of restoration so there were so i just this was one of her most brilliant parenting moments the other thing i want to say is this This took a lot more time and creativity than go to your room. You're not going to have this. You're not going to have this. This required creativity. So once you, again, commit to we're going to parent toward relationship, the rules are connected to relationship, restoration is connected to to relationship, discipline is connected to relationship. It requires a little more time, a little more creativity, but you're teaching one of the most important life skills you could possibly learn.
1: And you know what's also connected to relationship? Embarrassment. And
2: that, and yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah.
1: you didn't have to do any more disciplining from my perspective. That was good enough yeah. right there. You know. Yeah. How do
2: you think they? How do you think they respond? How do you think they behave next time she came to the house?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> little angels. Yeah,
2: yeah, the <laughs> angels. Yeah. <laughs> we're they, not going to have to say now be remember, obedient, remember, remember last time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They yeah. they're like,
1: no, <laughs> we're not doing that again. Uh-uh, no. Uh, you know, you talk about the law of harvest and uh, explain that for people that don't understand that. It's in the Bible. But how does that yeah. apply to parenting?
2: Yeah, the, the law of the harvest is you sow and then you reap and you sow now and you reap later and you can't rush a crop. So there's the final exam approach, which is I'm gonna put it off, put it off, put it off, cram at the last minute and maybe make an A. Again, in our student ministry days, we saw some parents, they didn't term term it that way. We didn't either. But basically, they were approaching parenting with the law of the final exam rather than the law of the harvest Mm. that I'm going to not get engaged, not get involved, going to let my kids be a little wild and crazy. We don't need to discipline. Aren't they cute? Aren't they cute? Aren't they cute? No, they're not cute. They're (laughs) they're animals. They're awful. They're terrible. Nobody thinks it's cute but you. And and then the kids get older and then they decide, oh, now we're going to start, you know, we're going to start disciplining. Sandra will talk about these four stages in just a minute. So, We saw parents parent as if, you know what, we can do it. We can cram for a final exam and the kids are going to be fine. But parenting is the law of the harvest. You sow now and you have to sow at the right time and you have to sow in the right way and then you sit back and you, wait, and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and you hope that you got it right the first time. That's one of the reasons we wrote this book. We want to say, especially to parents whose kids are still at home, you are sowing and you're going to reap. And if you haven't decided what you want to reap, you're not gonna know how to sow, and you're not gonna be as intentional about the timing of certain things because you can't ignore, you can't again, a farmer cannot ignore the seasons, can't ignore the almanac, cannot cannot ignore, hey, this is. The, these seasons are coming and going, whether I pay attention to them or not. So it's it's the law of the harvest. And of course, as you know, that's true in many areas of life. But it is especially true when it comes to parenting. Uh,
4: you talk about establishing two parenting rules that are really focused on on relationship building and then protecting those relationships that you build. Can we dive into that for a little bit?
2: We basically had two overarching rules. And both of them were 100% relational. Again, I just made this up. I th- Think it's great, but at the time it seemed a little risky. But I was trying to be so intentional. So our two overarching rules were: honor your mother. It's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Honor your mother. And I want to be clear: not obey your mother, honor your mother. Strong relationships are not built around obedience. Mm. Strong relationships are built around honor. Right. So honor your mother. That's broader than obedience, although obedience is part of honor your mother. And number two: never tell a lie. Never tell a lie. And when we talked about the why behind Never Tell a Lie, it wasn't because the Ten Commandments, it was this. Because lying breaks a relationship. Yep. Lying breaks a relationship. Our kids heard that a thousand times. Lying breaks a relationship. And I would say, Andrew, Garrett, Alley, I don't want my relationship with you to be broken, so please don't lie to me. And I won't lie to you. Not because of the the details or the issues or the circumstances. Lying breaks a relationship. In fact, I would say the worst thing you can do is tell, tell a lie. The, he
3: said that over and over and over to our kids. The worst thing you can do is tell a lie. The worst thing you can do it is breaks tell a, a lie. Relationship, yeah. And there was one day we were all in the van and Andrew is our thinker, our oldest one, and he's in the back and he's really quiet. And then he just all of a sudden says, dad, I know something worse than telling a lie. And <laughs> we kind of laughed and we're like, what? And he goes, worshiping the devil
2: <laughs> <More lies. laughs> right? Worshiping the so, father of lies. <laughs> oh,
3: so
2: now funny. we have three rules. You know, honor mom, <laughs> don't lie, don't worship. Let's no, anyway. right. But he was Too sitting worse. he was sitting back there thinking, surely there's something worse than telling lies. But the point is, now the question that comes up is well, why not honor your father and your mother? And here's why. Because number one, I felt like it was more important for our children to learn to honor their mother and then expect me to honor their mother mm. and to see me coming to the defense of their mother rather than defending myself. Don't you, you know, son, don't talk to me that way. We never did that. Son, don't. No. Now, you say anything you want to to me, but not to your mom. We're going to honor Mom. So that little twist, again, it was 100 percent relational. It down the road, and we tell a story in the book about our, you know when one of our sons was 16, and you know, the way I allowed him to talk to me, because that was fine. I wanted to know what was in there. I'm fine but honor your mother. And we wanted to model for our daughter, how she should expect to be treated by young men. So all of those things were 100% relational, Our it, our when, you know, governed and helped inform all of those things.
0: It's powerful, I'll add that, because my husband um, reflected that one, one particular time with our son, my, son, my husband is a rather large guy, sat my son down after he said something sassy to me and and did what you're saying andy and wow he is such a beautiful example of a husband and a father now and i really go back to that moment of you know this this is a no-go you can say what you want to me but not to your mom and um yeah, so, so powerful and so much of what you're saying.
3: And it really does model for them um, for their future relationships with their spouses. Yes. Um, for, for the boys, the way they treat their wives. We had a situation with... Um, with our daughter-in-law andrew's wife before when they were just just getting serious in their relationship and and she texted me one day and she said um i just want to tell you about this conversation i had with andrew she said i i knew that he had not had you know a long-term serious relationship um before serious girlfriend girlfriend and so I asked him, I said, Andrew, how do you know how to treat me so well? You've, you've, you know, you haven't had a serious girlfriend before. And he said, I've spent my whole life watching how my dad treats my mom. Oh, wow. wow. And,
2: that was the win. That's the win. Yep. That, that Thanks for the this win. time together. It's been a pleasure having you. It
3: really <laughs> oh. wow. you know, wow. well, does flow from that kind of keystone type rule of yep. honor mom. Yep. And
2: uh, It is a keystone rule. It really mm-hmm. is. So many things good trickle down from that one yep. That one idea. Yeah. That's
0: good. I love it. I love it. You have a story where you talk about how you kind of let tension build with your child. Oh, I, I think it was one of your son's um instead of just immediately pouncing when he made a mistake tell us about that because i thought that that was another beautiful example the beauty of
3: Uh the later years when we're in those kind of teenage coaching years is you can wait a little longer before you actually you know and let them know what's going to happen as a result of of whatever it was they did in those early years which we'll talk about in a minute i think um those early years you know discipline has to be quick it has to be very much tied to to the offense and very quick and consistent but later you've got a little space to work with
2: in fact in the book we recommend you wait as the kids get older that you wait as long as possible and 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 here's why not I mean it's not a hard and fast rule but waiting is okay number one in real life you don't always know what the consequence is. in fact virtually no one listening to this podcast or, or watching could tell you what the legal system will do immediately or ultimately based on a specific infraction. In other words, mm. the government doesn't send out a list every week that says, okay, if you do this, this is gonna happen. If you do this, this is gonna happen. We don't, we don't know. So that's real life. You can break the law and be arrested or get a ticket or be arrested for something beyond just speeding. And you have a court date. It may be a month away, it may be two months away and you don't know what the consequence is, and you live with that awful tension of that hanging over your head. That's real life. So the other reason sometimes it's better to wait is to discipline toward the relationship requires creativity, and that takes time, and that's okay. Because the right response, even if it's delayed, is far better than the I'm taking this away, give me the keys to the car, give me your phone, you know, now we're all gonna be on a restriction because you can't go anywhere and we're all stuck at home, you know, those traps that parents set for themselves sometimes. So <laughs> the delay is not a bad thing. So the, the story we talk about um, in the book is do you want to tell the story yeah i'll tell
3: the story so yeah. and this i think was andy's finest parenting moment this this was a story with one of our boys and um he was 16 years old and he was incredibly disrespectful, incredibly. To me. And so it was—it was just one of those moments where he just, you know, he was, he was our more expressive child anyway, and uh, it just all came came flowing out. But when Andy got home, I kind of relayed the story. I said, "Here's what here's what our day looked like. Here's what happened," and he was furious. Um, and so what Andy—he ended up waiting a good bit of time. Um, our son knew, you know, this is not going to go. I'm, I'm not off the hook so he was wondering you know when is when is the you know when is the axe going to fall and um so a little time goes by in
2: fact Sandra started wondering hey are you going to address this Uh, but honestly to be to be honest I really didn't know what to do I I was so mad and I you know I wanted there to be payback I'm thinking I'm going to take away it I i didn't know what to do but here's the thing i knew okay whatever i do however i respond this has to be about restoration not just punishment and taking privileges Mm -hmm. away because that doesn't accomplish anything so again that north star that win that hey what are we trying to accomplish trying to accomplish it was extremely helpful to me especially when i was angry because I was so mad. So eventually.
3: So he told Garrett, he said, you're going to have to ask your mom out on a date mm. and take uh-huh. her to a nice restaurant and pay for her dinner and apologize for At your dinner. for your behavior. And so, and he was like, you know, dad, just take my phone, take my <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No Yeah. What else you got? Right. Do all the
2: traditional <laughs> things, but don't uh-huh. make me humble myself yeah. in front of, again, so, and, and this and is. And he was
3: 16. So, right. you know, it's just that awkward. Yeah. Time. And this
2: isn't go downstairs and tell your mom you're sorry. This is going to be an event. This is going to be mm-hmm. an experience. So you can tell them what happened.
3: So Garrett, uh, I'll just, yeah, our middle son comes downstairs and he said, um, he said, Mom, would you, are you available to go to dinner with me tonight? And I said, absolutely, Garrett, I am. And so we, um, we get in his truck and he takes me to dinner. We're sitting at a restaurant and I can remember I have a, a just a, shot in my mind, just a picture in my mind of exactly where we were, what he was wearing. I can remember his shirt. We're sitting in this booth. We've got olive oil between us and some bread and we're dipping our bread. And he looked at me and he said, Mom, I am so sorry that I was disrespectful to you I'm so sorry and um, I just hope that you'll be able to forgive me. And I said no I'm mad still so (laughs) (laughs) I did not say that. I did not say that. I I was really fine very soon after the event occurred but um, you know his 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 big old brown eyes, you know, the whole thing. It was just a precious moment. And the re- and the relationship was absolutely restored and it was over. Mm. It really was over. We enjoyed our dinner, we went home, it was just over. And our relationship was taken to a whole nother level as right. a result of it. It
2: was better because as we know, in as adults, yeah. when we humble ourselves and own what we've done, the relationship isn't weaker. If you're dealing with a somewhat healthy person, the relationship is stronger. And it's a memory that actually is part of the cement that cements Mm -hmm. those, those two people. So. Mm -hmm.
3: And the thought of how that impacts his relationship with his wife now is just huge. He, he knows how to restore a relationship. Mm -hmm. He knows how to apologize correctly. He knows how to own what he did and not, you know, pretend like it never happened or get angry if it gets brought up, you know, there's just none of that because he knows and understands how to do that.
2: One thing that we've mentioned twice already that I want to make sure doesn't slip through the cracks, is we did not require our children um, to ask for forgiveness. And here's why. This is, I think this is a big idea. When I've done something to hurt, if I do something to hurt you, there's a sense in which I've taken something from you. So now i've taken something from you and now i'm going to come to you and say i'm so sorry i did that i need you to give me something else i need you to give me forgiveness so we don't ask for forgiveness we say exactly what she said i hope that you will be able to forgive me in other words i'm leaving that with you i'm not requiring something else from you after i've already taken something from you so forgiveness is super important but you know what that's up to you so i'm going to own what i've done and i hope someday or you Mm -hmm. find it in your heart to forgive me but Wow. Yeah. I, I understand. I don't
3: get to dictate right. how long it takes you to recover from right. what I did to you. Because the, yeah.
2: pre- the you, know, for, for, you know, please forgive me or forgive me, um, you're asking me to do something in the moment. And I might not be ready to sincerely do that in the moment. So give me some space. And um, I think this is really important, even when we offend our children as parents, because we talk a lot about this in the book. There's When I've hurt one of my children as a parent and I recognize it, I immediately want to move in their direction, put my arm around them, close the proxy, you know, get as close as I can, apologize. And then I want to explain why I did what I did, even though that's irrelevant. And then I want to say, please forgive me. Well, that's just too much too fast. Mm. So. Learning to handle this the right way and modeling it for our kids is so extraordinarily important because forgiveness is a gift, and you don't ask for a gift. You just hope the person will maybe one day be willing to give it to you. So that's just a subtle little thing that uh, we didn't want to go by that too quickly.
1: That's really good. I think I'm learning something right now because I think I slide into the apology phase with my wife too quickly, and she's like, "Uh -uh." uh-uh. I am <laughs> still not happy with you. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm> still angry. <laughs> that's that's like, right. It's like she wants Bro. to hear I mean, a I mean, really good "I'm sorry" as well. It's like you better really work that one, you know, make it better. You know, so it's.
2: <laughs> that's, that's no, good. We, we all, we all. The thing is, the more we love a person the more inclined we are to f- try to fast track. Yeah, exactly. Reconciliation. We, feel. That's true. Yeah. we have a role. They have a role and we yep. need to create space to allow them to choose to move in our direction. And again, that begins with how we parent. And it's again, different at some stages than, mm-hmm. than others. So that's awesome. I
1: love the waiting for the final punishment or whatever you want
2: to, <laughs> because
1: that's punishment as well. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. when I do that with my son, he's like, it, he'll keep coming back around. Dad, what is it going to be? Or dad? Or yeah. yeah. the worst is when I was a kid, it was wait till your father gets home. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is like the worst wait. It's like, am I in death row here? What's happening? You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen yeah. next? But uh, yeah. So uh, you, you guys talk about the three D's and how they can negatively affect a relationship. What are those D's?
3: In, in the early season with our kids, uh, when they're in the discipline stage, Age, we we started using the word disobedience, dishonesty, and disrespect. Those were the three things we disciplined our kids for when they were little: dishonesty, disobedience, and disrespect. And we used the words honesty, obedience, respect, and then the counter, dishonesty, disobedience, and disrespect, because we really wanted them to understand that these are the things, when these things happen, there are consequences. And during those early, during that early season, that's the main thing we want them to learn is there are consequences for our actions, both good and bad. And the stakes are low when they're young. So Mm -hmm. those three things are, you know, were the big things we focused on when they were young. And of course they carry on through all the other seasons as well. But we really dug down on those during that early season. And
2: we were, again, going back to something we said, we made it clear that when those three D's come into play, there's someone on the other end that's been hurt. Mm. So it's not Mm -hmm. just don't, Do this and don't do that. It's like Mm -hmm. dishonor. You've dishonored somebody you've disrespected. You've disrespected Mm -hmm. somebody you disobeyed, you disobeyed. And and consequently, there's a Mm -hmm. consequence to someone else. So again, those and one of the reasons we camp that on the three D's is because, as every parent knows, but it's easy to forget, there's a difference between childishness Mm -hmm. and disrespect, disobedience. Right. So you don't discipline a child for being childish now. We've seen parents discipline children for being childish, for acting like a child, especially in public. Um, but that's that's not the right thing to do when a child is simply acting out their age. That's different. Now it may be embarrassing, but that's still not an opportunity. You know, they, they weren't being disrespectful, they weren't being disobedient, and yeah. they weren't being. Dishonest, and it's something so. you can
3: correct and tweak and kind of help them with. Right. But but it wasn't what we would really focus in on for discipline. Yeah.
4: If you would uh, unpack the the four stages of parenting and why... It's so important for parents to be intentional in transitioning, you know, that parenting style from one season yes, to next.
2: Yeah, such a great question. And this goes back to the sowing and reaping. This mm-hmm. is well, this is where sowing in a proper season is yeah. so important.
3: Yeah, and we didn't make this up. This was something that we heard from several different people along the way. We read all the books. You know, when we when we had our first kid our, in our small group, we were doing every parenting thing we could get our hands on. And so this was something we learned from somebody else. And we realized at the time it sounded like it was important, but as we moved through these stages and then of course getting to the end of it we realized those were so so important so the discipline years are like zero to five years old Um, this is the season like I said where they're learning that there are consequences for their behaviors both good and bad and the stakes are low so it's a great time for kids to be able to begin to understand um, that there are consequences for their actions and during this season consistency is the key and then the training years are five years old to 12 years old, kind of, you know, somewhere around there, five to 12. And these are the years where we really start um, explaining while we're training our kids. They're able to reason a little bit more, so we start reasoning with our kids, explaining, and... Um, practicing. And, yeah, and practicing things. They, they're they're able to get it at this point, and so we're explaining while we're training. And then the coaching years are kind of 12 to 18. They're starting to... Um, to really own things. They're they're wanting their independence. And so we're on the sidelines a little bit more like a coach is. We've, we've kind of laid some foundation. We've trained during those training years, and now we're stepping back. We're giving them a little bit of space to make some decisions on their own. We're giving them some space to experience some natural consequences for their behaviors and for their misbehaviors at this point. And um, I think it's during the coaching years where we're really trying to connect more than correct I mean there's plenty of correcting still going on but our primary goal in that season is to connect with our kids and stay connected so that they turn to us when they when they do hit a hit a wall or hit something and then the friendship years are where we are now 18 um, and on and it's awesome we we're just thriving here
2: (laughs) but it's a mistake and I know you know this but I'll say it anyway Mm -hmm. it's a mistake to try to insert the friendship years before the friendship years Right. should be um should be leveraged and mm-hmm. and again this is something we saw with we with see it some with moms parents.
3: especially moms and daughters you know a, a mom yeah. and daughter's 16 or 17 and the mom's trying so hard to be friends with her and her friends and trying to be the cool mom and all of that and it it's, it kind of seems like it's going well in the mo- in, a, in the moment but long term there's just fallout that that is you know that that happens as a result
2: so again it's sewing in the correct seasons and again those and
3: and the the flip side is true too when you're in the coaching years and you're bringing back all this heavy discipline and training with your kids that doesn't work well either so that's the thing that we've seen on the other side of it is there really are appropriate ways to approach discipline to approach relationships with our kids to approach connecting based on the season of life or the stage of parenting
2: can I say something about the training years Um, this sounds strange, but this is what we did. We talk a little bit about this in the book. The training years, one of the things that we saw with other parents, again, we, you can learn a lot from good examples and bad examples, is we would watch, especially sometimes in sports, I would watch dads expect their sons in particular to be able to perform something on the baseball field or the, on the basketball court that I realized they're not practicing with their sons. They're just showing up for the performance, expecting their sons to do. something They never took the time to help their sons learn how to do. Now, that's obvious when it comes to sports, but we began practicing all kinds of things at home, how to greet someone at the door. So I would literally go outside, ring the doorbell my kids would come to the door and we would practice greeting someone at the door shaking hands looking in the eye and taking us in then i'd this go back was always and do right it again. before
3: people were actually coming over yeah. so they'd be using the person's <laughs> yeah. about to show right.
2: up <laughs> practice saying their name because and the thing is in the training years it's easy to make all the training a game and the kids love the games we practice i mean anything that we thought we would have to mm-hmm. they would we would expect them to do in public We practiced at home with a certain group of people we practiced at home before we left for the whatever it was we practiced at home because if you train then they know what to do but to simply get into a new environment and then expect them to know how to behave and then react when they don't behave the way that you expected them to that you never trained them to um you know that's just a disaster so we 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 made everything a game in those years the great
3: thing about the training years is everything is fun and nothing is dumb but when you the coaching years, everything is done. Everything. And nothing is <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> all you can yep. during
1: those Don't you guys wish that years. more of the people that we deal with in customer service went through this process? <laughs> 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 yeah. Like, maybe so. Right. oh, man. It's like my, my son's 13 years old and I'm calling them great mumbler right now because his voice changed. It's deep and half time I can't hear him. It's like, speak up, you know, but yeah, I love that. Introduce yourself. Practice that. That's brilliant. That's that's great. Uh-huh.
0: I just have to, before we run out of time, ask you why there's a chapter on marriage in your parenting book you take that <laughs> go ahead <laughs> well
2: you the wrote the chapter thing, well, <laughs> <laughs> the,
3: the thing that we know and is in life there's what's real and there's what's ideal and we recognize that we've got so many friends that are single parents and they're navigating this whole parenting journey on their own and that's so hard that's what's real but what we also know is that kids who grow up in a two-parent home with a healthy their parents having a healthy marriage is the ideal environment and so we wanted to put a put a chapter in the book about marriage and and some some practices and and some principles about marriage for that very reason our kids are going to have a story that they tell we've been in small group our our entire married life we've been in small groups and it has been everything for us but um, and if you've been in a small group you know and I think I'm sure there are other environments where it's the same you get in a group of new people or new friends and you start telling your stories and so we when we tell our stories and even with all the adult groups we've been in, everybody's story includes their story of their parents and how their parents' marriage, their parents' relationships with them impacted where they are today yeah. and how, you know, just so many things about their current life and the parents just have a huge impact. So we just knew this is super important and we want to make this part of the parenting book.
2: And one of the two greatest gifts that you can give a child is an intact marriage. Mm. I mean, it is a gift. It's, And again we know there's circumstances beyond people's control both of our fathers grew up um, in a single parent home both of our father's fathers died when our fathers were young Mm -hmm. so they were raised by their mom so this isn't a hey you know you're destined for negative things to happen that that, that's not the point at all but we know at the end of the day the ideal is a two-parent home where there's the influence of a mom and a dad and so the one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids is an intact marriage or a healthy marriage and so um and there's nothing really that compensates or makes up for that because it's it's a unique gift. So anything parents can do to invest in their marriage really is an investment in their kids and ultimately an investment in their grandkids.
3: Yeah. And also with our goal being getting, you know, our kids launching out of our homes, wanting to be with us and be with each other when they don't have to be, that actually implies that we are going to be there as well. Mm -hmm. So to get to our desired it to our bullseye on the target really did require for us to keep our marriage healthy Mm -hmm. and to stay healthy as it really relates to that so we can enjoy which meant
2: and I'll make this short which meant we prioritize at time, not at times, we prioritize consistently our relationship and our marriage to the point of of um, pulling away from and doing trips when our kids were young and our at the ballpark, we would, I coached all the time. I would say, hey, well, I'm not going to be here next weekend for the game. Sandra and I are going to do da-da-da. And, and 100% of the time, the other parents would be like, just the two of you? We're Without like,
3: your kids? Without <laughs> your kids? We're
2: like, yeah, and then we would hear, we haven't been off by ourselves for seven years. We haven't been off for eight. You know, I'm like, well that's on y'all we're we're leaving next weekend and we'll be here so we again we we made some we were very intentional about that part of this as well and the kids you know they figured out
1: that's awesome wow all right. Parenting, getting it right. Thank you, Andy and Sandra. Appreciate your time.
2: Good wow. stuff. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so good. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah. This is fun.
0: Thanks for listening to the Kinkle Fritz and Friends Podcast heard on Family Life Radio. We would appreciate it so much if you could rate, review, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also find more exclusive content at myflr.org and FLR mornings on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you support Family Life Radio, thank you.